Morning, I frontrunners. Hi, guys. You're good? Now, I want you to do one thing for me. Um, I want you to look for three people that you have not come with and tell them hi. Three people that you have not come with. That you have not come with. Good, good job. You all look lovely. So our speaker of the day um, comes from the state of Georgia in the United States of America. Um, Georgia, he oversees over 250 churches uh, in the AG. He's a great youth pastor. So help me give a warm iPhone run as welcome to Pastor Joseph Banks. Well, good morning, church. You guys ready for a continued great morning this morning? You know, it is so, so good to be with you this morning. And it's actually, it is not my first time in your wonderful city. Um, I was here uh, 14 years ago when I was 17 years old. And you know, I loved your city so much. Hear me on this. I loved your city so much. It was the day we were getting ready to fly back uh, all the way to the United States. That day, I loved your city so much, I went and I got myself arrested the day we were leaving. I didn't want to leave, right? And uh, it was a very traumatic experience getting arrested in a foreign country, and I didn't have my passport on me. I had nothing, right? And, and honestly, it wasn't even uh, a, the Kenyans who arrested me. It was the Americans who arrested me. I know, it just gets weird. And so what happened was essentially uh, you're not supposed to take pictures of the American embassy and and the girl sitting next, I was 17 years old, the girl sitting next to me was really pretty, and uh, you know when a pretty girl asks you to do something, you just do it, you know what I mean? That's just, that's how it is, and it's worth the risk, and so I grabbed her camera, stuck it out, took three snapshots of the American embassy, uh, an American soldier or whatever, radioed, pointed directly at me. 15 seconds later, a Humvee cut us off in the front. They ripped me out of our van, and uh, needless to say, I needed to change my underwear later on. And so, um, (laughs) thankfully, they... uh, after realizing I didn't have my passport, I had no way to prove I was an American citizen. It was kind of a mess, but they let me go. They said like normally it's like a $10,000 fine and some jail time, and, and I was very scared, uh, but clearly they could tell I was an American out of my element. And uh, So the only thing that they made me do was uh, it was at the end of the trip, right? And the girl had taken over 3,000 pictures on her, on her camera, and they made me go through each picture to show them the, you know, I didn't hide any other pictures and I had to delete the ones we took. But they let me go and I got to go back home. But it is good to be with you again 14 years later. And I really don't plan on being arrested this time. So my pretty girl, she's at home. I've been married 11 years. Her name is Sarah. And uh, the love of my life, we do ministry together. 
Um, there's nothing better in life than marrying someone who's going down the same road you are. And uh, we have two beautiful children. Uh, I have a five-year-old son named Judah. And uh, he loves everything the Avengers, right? Superheroes and all of that. And uh, I have a little two-year-old girl. Her name is Brinley. And I am wrapped around her finger. And I'm a poor man because of all of the money that I spend on her. But Sarah wants another one. She wants three. I say she's crazy. And uh, I don't, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, in everything... She's pretty, so you never know what will happen. Anyway, I'm preaching. I need to stop going there. Um, you know, there are so many things in this life that try to divide us, that try to separate us, especially me standing here speaking to you, whether it be the thousands upon thousands of kilometers that separate our homelands, whether it be the differences in our culture, the differences in our languages. There are so many things that try to divide us this morning. But what's amazing is there is one thing that unites all of our differences, and that is Jesus Christ. You know, we have a saying that, that I say and I wear it around my wrist, and it's because of Jesus, we are family. It's because of who he is and what he did that it takes a people that could be very different and gives us a common denominator. And so it's so good that even though I am thousands upon thousands of kilometers away from my home, it's good because of Jesus that I'm home this morning with my brothers and my sisters. And so this morning I say, you are my family, not just in saying, but in reality, you are my sisters you are my brothers, and it's good to be with you this morning. Worship team, don't get too comfortable. I'm calling you up here soon. If you can end uh, when we do our response time uh, with the song about trusting in the Lord, uh, giving it all to you, that one that we sang. And, and I'm believing it's going to be a phenomenal morning. Amen? Amen? You know, you only get out of something what you put into it. You only get out of something what you expect. And so regardless of how you got here this morning, my challenge to you is expect God to do something in your life today. Because if you expect him to do something, he will do it. But if you don't, then he may not. And so let me encourage you to expect the Lord to do something this morning. You know, there's a lot more than we have in common than, than we have that are different between us. And especially within our church cultures, there's a lot. We sing a lot of the same songs. We take communion just like you. We give offering just like you. We read the same Bible. There's so much of us that is the same. And you know, one of the things that unites us together is this belief that there is better days that are coming. That we have a saying, and maybe you've heard it here, I'm not sure, but in America we say a lot in our churches that the best is yet to come. Have you heard that before? That the best is yet to come, that we believe that because of our faith in Jesus Christ that there are better things that are coming. You know, that's one of those phrases, whether you realize it or not, that there are many different people in this room. And because we are very different, we actually hear something different when we hear the best is yet to come. Let me put it this way. Some of you 
may have some different favorite sports teams in the room. And whenever I have my favorite sports team, whenever I cheer for my team, and we have a saying, and that's Roll Tide. We say this saying, it's, it's Roll Tide. That's like cheering for your team. Now, the people who like the same team that I do, when they hear me cheer for my team, they get excited, right? Because they like that cheer. But then there are people who, they don't like my team, they like the other team. And so when they hear the same words, roll tide, come out of my mouth, one group of people love it, and another group of people don't love it at all. They hate it, right? They're like, I hate that team, that team is not good. And then there's another group who might be in here. Is anyone in here, you just really don't care about sports at all? Anyone, you don't care about sports, it's not really your thing, right? That would be the other group that... One group loves it when I cheer for the team. One group doesn't like that cheer, even though it's the same words. And another group could care less about what I'm saying. And, and it's the same thing when, when you say the words that the best is yet to come. There are some people in this room, when you hear the best is yet to come, you love it. You are encouraged by it. You are uplifted by it. You feel hope stirring within your soul that whatever you're going through today, that something better is going to come. And so you get excited when you hear the best is yet to come. But there is another group. You know, you might just feel what I call indifferent towards it, meaning you really, you really don't care for it. Like, it's good, but it's, it's not bad. It's just kind of like another saying. It, it really means nothing to you when you hear it. It doesn't get you excited. It doesn't bring you, you know, it doesn't take joy or take happiness away from you. It's just another saying. Because our world is full of sayings. And so for you, it's just another saying. It doesn't really mean much to you. For another group of you, when you hear that the best is yet to come, you're not encouraged, you're not excited. It's not that you really don't care. You actually are a little discouraged by that saying. You've lost confidence that better days are coming. Because of your life experiences and the things that have happened to you, you really don't feel that better days are ahead, and so you really don't become excited about that phrase. You become disheartened because you say, what I've been through in my experience doesn't line up that better days are coming. It just seems like things are getting worse. My circumstances aren't improving. You know, and then finally, there may be some of you in this room that you're not encouraged, you're not discouraged, you're not really indifferent. Actually, when you hear the phrase that the best is yet to come, you become almost angry. You feel more than annoyed by this phrase. You become indignant. You become angry because of what you perceive that what you hear people say about God and then your experiences don't line up with what you hear about God. And so when you hear that the best is yet to come, you become angry because you're saying, you don't even know what I've been through. You don't know what my family has gone through. And you're telling me the better days are ahead? Can you even, I can't even think about tomorrow because of my circumstances are today. And so you become angry when you hear this phrase that the best is yet to come. 
You know, really how, how you feel about the way you do when you hear this phrase, it really goes back to how do you define what is the best? Because how you define what the best is really is tied back to how you feel about it when you hear that statement that the best is yet to come. Because if the best is going to come, you define the best in a certain way. And so this morning, what is the best? If you look it up in the dictionary, this is what you'll find of the best. The dictionary says the best is this. It is the finest, the greatest, the top, the leading, the preeminent, the premier, the first, the supreme, of the highest quality, unrivaled, second to none, without equal, unsurpassed, peerless, matchless, unparalleled, unbeaten, unbeatable, optimal, ultimate, surpassing all, incomparable, ideal, perfect, highest, record-breaking, top of the range, top of the line, number one, one in a million, a cut above the rest, top drawer, or most desirable. You know, I've got to ask the question this morning, why do we want the best? Why is it our human nature to desire the best of something? We search for the best, we want the best, we sacrifice for the best, we, we do crazy, unbelievable things to get the best because of what we believe the best will bring to our lives. Let me say it like this, if I gave you an option of your favorite meal, the best food you could ever eat, or for you to go eat out of a trash can... 100 out of 100 of us would choose the best meal. Zero out of 100 of us would choose eating out of a trash can as opposed to the best meal we could think of. The reason why we would choose the best meal instead of the trash can because of what we believe eating that meal might bring to us. It'll bring to you a joy. Anyone here like eating food? I mean, I do. I like eating food. Anyone? Okay, me and you, we need to go eat, okay? Everyone else, they don't like eating food, and that's cool. We liked it because it brings you, like, a fulfillment. Like, you eat the best food you've ever eaten, and you can't even, like, think about anything else. We believe that, maybe not food, but we believe that having the best, achieving the best, being the best, it brings you a sense of happiness, a sense of satisfaction, a sense of joy, fulfillment in your life that nothing else will bring you. Eating the best food will bring you more happiness than eating out of a trash can. We believe it brings us this happiness. And so, in our search for this happiness, in our search for this fulfillment, we unfortunately, we tend to look for the best in all the wrong areas. We're looking for the happiness to be brought to us in what I'll call idols. And I'm not talking about a statue that people bow down and worship. I'm talking about we look for the best in items, in things. 
We look for the best in, in duties. We look for the best in items that, whether it is technology, whether it's a phone, whether it's a car, whether it's clothing, we look for the best in something that we will have and bring into our lives because we believe that in having that best item, it'll bring us a sense of joy and fulfillment. Or maybe you look for the best in duties, which is the things that you do. Whether it's playing on a sports team, whether it is a creative person, whether you are an arts person with music, that, that you find happiness and you look for the best in the things that you do because the things that you do bring that sense of joy and happiness into your life. Or maybe you look for the best in others. Meaning that you find joy in relationships, that if you could just have that person be your friend, if, if they would just like you, or maybe it's the relationship with someone of the opposite sex that you just want to be in relationship with them. You believe that, that once you get into relationship with them, that your joy and your happiness will be complete. How many of you are married in this room? Raise your hand. So let me say this, a very, very wise person once told me, and I, and I need you to hear this, that you're not ready to get married until you're okay being alone. Because if you're looking for that other person to make you happy and to complete you, they won't. So maybe for you, you don't look for the best to bring you happiness in items. Maybe you don't look for it in duties, the things that you do. Maybe you don't look for happiness in others to bring you happiness. Maybe you look for it in what I call longings. You long to be somewhere different, that the circumstances of the place God has you, whether it's your home, whether it is your workplace, or whether, I don't know, wherever you are, that you want God to take you wherever you are and long to be somewhere else. If you could just get out of this city, if you could just get out of your circumstance, if you could just get out of wherever you are, you believe that everything will be, be, be better. But, but here's the crazy part, that most of us in this room this morning, we have lived long enough to know that these things that we desire, that we think will bring us happiness, whether it's items, whether it's duties, others or longings, that, that we've lived long enough to know that these things don't ultimately bring you happiness. We've chased after the items. We've chased after the things that we do or the others in relationships or we've been moved from one place to another out of a longing and, and only to bring us a small amount of happiness. Now, I'll be honest, like I love food. I like eating food. You know, us too. We're going to eat, right? And I look forward to it. And I sit down, and it is satisfying. It is good. It tastes amazing. I feel good when I'm done. But guess what? The next day, I'm not satisfied anymore. It only brings me temporary happiness. And it's the same thing that in all of the things that we look for that joy, we look for the best. It only brings you a little temporary happiness. And then you wake up the next morning or the next week or the next month and you're not happy anymore. 
But the crazy part is, is it wears off, and then we go back and we try to find another, and then we try to find another, we try to find another, only to be left unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and unhappy time and time and time again. Which begs me to really ask this question this morning. If these things wear off, if these things wear out so quickly, whose best are these things that we're looking for? Are these the things that, that, that we define as best? Are these the things that you define as best? Or are, are these things God's best? I think the problem is that clearly all of this best talk is centered around the common denominator, and that is you. It is me. It's the, it's the items or the things that, that I want, that you want, that will bring happiness to your life. It's the things that you want to do with your life that you think will bring happiness to your life. It's the others or the relationships that you think will bring value to your life. Or it's the longings, the places that you want to go, the person that you want to be that you are currently not, that if those things were to change, that you would finally be happy. And when your life is centered around you and what you define as best, you begin going down paths. Hear me. You begin going down paths. You begin going down roads that you were never intended to go down. You begin to get in way over your head in acquiring the things and, and the items that begin to not bless you anymore, but they begin to burden you. Or maybe it's the dream job or, or it's the dream thing that you felt like you always wanted to do. You begin to go down that path, but honestly, your dream ends and that dream thing becomes a nightmare for you. Or maybe you go down a path of, of putting others in relationship with you, whether it's friendship or whether it's romantic relationships that you believe are the best for you. You believe they will bring you happiness and you go down that road only to begin to let those others destroy who God intended for you to be. Or maybe it's those longings that, that you long to be somewhere else, to, to be somebody else. You're just never happy where you are. And, and I've met people like this my whole life, that their whole life, they're always longing to be somewhere else. If I could just get out of this city and, and if I could just go to another city, I'd finally be happy. Then they go to the other city and guess what? They're not happy anymore. Maybe it's not this city Maybe it's you. And so at the end of it all, we're, we're going down all of these paths. You know, I, I've counseled so many young people who say, how in the world did God allow me to get here? That why would God allow these circumstances to be happening? That, that it seems like my world is falling apart. That, that when we go back and, and we're not really excited about the best is yet to come because of our circumstances. Because honestly, a lot of the times, the things that you're going through, you know how you got there? God didn't 
take you there, you took that path. In your pursuit for happiness, in your pursuit for joy, you went down paths God never intended for you to go down. And honestly, it's a result of you going down that path. And so what happens is you're you're never really satisfied. You're never really happy. You're never really fulfilled. And, And so when you hear the best is yet to come, you're saying, I don't think the best is yet to come. We arrive at this point because we got us to that point a lot of the times. Because in reality, it all gets boiled down to this, and hear me. It all gets boiled down to this. We never really trusted that God's best was really the best. We never really trusted that God's best was the best. Is anyone in here, you have younger brothers or sisters? Anyone in here? Younger brothers or sisters? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, you're the baby of the family? You're the youngest babies? You're, young, you're the youngest of the family? You're my people, right? For those of you who have younger brothers and sisters, are any of them uh, strong-willed or um, they think they know everything. Anyone? You have, you have brothers and sisters who know everything. That, that regardless of what you tell them, they know better than you. Right? I have a son, like I said, he's, he's five years old, and his name is Judah. And, and even at five years old, this kid knows what he wants. Whether it's soda or do you call it pop? Which one? Thank you. I call it soda, too. I'm from the northern United States, and we call it soda. And people in, now I live in southern United States, and everyone calls it, like, pop, or they call it Coke. Like, if you want, like, a Sprite, they say, can I have a Coke? And it's just kind of confusing. Anyway, soda. He knows what he wants. Now, my wife does not want my son drinking one drop of soda, right? But I'm a good dad, and I sneak it every now and then to him. But I've kind of whetted his appetite for it. And so he wants it all the time. Or, or whether it's one more Spider-Man show before bedtime. You know, like, uh, all right, buddy, we can watch one. And then it ends. Then he wants another one and then another one. Or if he wants to walk around in, in a crazy, dangerous parking lot. Or, or walk across the road that he thinks it would be really fun to do. You know, There are times where, you know, Sarah and I, my wife, we're in the front of our car and we're on the way somewhere and we're making plans for the rest of the day and and we're talking about where we're going to go, what we're going to do and all this stuff and when we get done making our plans and, and all of a sudden we hear this little tiny boy voice in the back and he peeps up, he goes, mommy, okay mommy, okay daddy, I heard your plan, sounds like a great plan, but you know what? I've got a better plan. (laughs) And so, Mommy and Daddy, here's my plan. How many of you know that if I let Judah do what he thought was best all the time, he probably wouldn't be around much longer? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) because although Judah has a really hard time believing it, He really doesn't know what's best for him. Because 
My thoughts are higher than my five-year-old's thoughts. My wisdom, my life experience, and, and my foresight into how the decisions he's making today will play out into his future, it beckons me to say, no, child, that's probably not a good idea. So in the same way, how will we know that we can trust that God, our Father, His ways are better than our ways? God is our Father. We are His children. And He's in the front. He's making plans with Jesus and the Holy Spirit of how to guide your life, of where He wants to take you. And we sit back and we hear it and we listen to it. And then when He's done, we pipe up in our little tiny human voice and we say, okay, Daddy, okay, Brother Jesus, okay, Brother Holy Spirit, I've got a better plan. We might laugh, we might think that's funny, but that's the reality of so many of us in this life. That we don't trust that God's best really is the best for your life. So this morning, really quickly, I want to instill into every single one of you, because I know there are people in this room that you are not pursuing God's best. You have moments of momentary happiness, but ultimately you are looking for everything in this world to satisfy you other than Jesus. And it's destroying you and the people around you. So this morning, I want to instill into you that you can trust that God knows what's best for you. And so I'm going to read some scripture. And I want you to sit up and listen to this, I'm not going to have you turn there. I just want you to hear it and be encouraged by it. First, we'll start with Paul when he was writing to the Roman church to remind the church of who they are. He said, if you live according to your flesh, you will die. If you live according to your flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit of God you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, you are sons and you are daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons and as daughters to whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that me, that you, we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. We are inheritors of God and fellow heirs of Christ. Then David, he chimes in and he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me. Oh Lord, you have known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You know my thoughts from so far away. You search out my path. You search out my lying down. And you are well known with all of my ways. Even, hear this, even before a word is on my tongue, Oh Lord, you know what I'm about to say. 
Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where can I run from your presence? If I go all the way into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, oh Lord, you are there. If I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there will your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness, I love this, hear this, surely the darkness is covering me and the light is like night. I can't see. It's so dark. I can't see. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for you. For God, you formed my most inward parts. You put me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes, they saw my unformed substance. Hear this, in your book. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. He's saying that you wrote down all the days of my life before there was even a day of my life. Then Jeremiah, he heard the Lord say to him this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I pointed you as a prophet to the nations for for Jeremiah. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. And then Isaiah, he writes, "For, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways, and your thoughts higher than mine. Paul continues to another church. He said, but when he who had set me apart before I was born, for we are his workmanship, that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And then in Genesis, the book of beginnings, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God made you. So you might be saying, yeah, yeah, well, Joe, these these have all of their own context, right? Because all of these scriptures I just read, they were from different times to different people, right? You might say, you're taking those scriptures out of context. Like, you can't kind of take all of that out and just kind of say what you want to say. And I would say yes and amen. It's the very fact that these are written to different people, thousands of years separated, but it is all saying the same message. Young person, that God loves you. He knew you before you were born. He planned for you. He's planning for you. You know, in the same way, God created you that, that if I were to take this bass guitar, right? I've never played guitar a day in my life other than the video game, like Guitar Hero. Super good at it, or was. If I've never played guitar in my life, and I grab that guitar, right, and I stand up here in front of you, and I try to start playing this guitar, how many of you know it would not sound very good? You're not offending me, it's just the truth. But if I found the person, hear me, if I found the person who made the guitar and I put that guitar in there, the guitar maker's hands, I'm telling you, they would lay down some sick beats. 
It would excite you. It would bring us hope that the maker of the guitar can, can make a sound that somehow rises your soul. But if I were to take the guitar to some nation that never seen a guitar before, I put it in their hands, they might take the guitar, they don't know how to make music, and they might go and they might bash it against the wall trying to make music. They, they have no idea what this thing is. They've never seen it. In the same way, we are like that guitar. And when you put the guitar in your hands, we don't know how to play it as well because you did not create your life. Some of us, we're taking this life that's called a guitar and we're bashing it against the wall just trying to make music with our life. But if you put your life into the creator's hands who created you, he can make the most beautiful music come from your life that will bring hope to everyone around you. And it will lead you to this. It'll lead you to be able to trust in the Lord with all your heart. To trust in the Lord with not some of your heart. We're really good at trusting God with little pieces of our heart. He's saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and that his best is your best and he will make your path straight. The steps of a good man and a good woman, they are established by the Lord when you delight in him. For the Lord upholds your hand. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together. You might be going through a situation or a circumstance that is right in your face this morning that is just saying that God is not good. If God was good, how could this thing be happening to my family? How could this thing be happening to me right now? But if you love God and you search for God's best in your life, somehow we don't understand it, but God does work those things together for good. And Jesus himself said this, and worship team, you can go ahead and begin to come forward and play quietly. Jesus himself said this, which one of you, talking to humans, if your son asks for bread, would you give him stones? Like, no, that's just wrong. That's like evil. If, if my five-year-old son asked me for some bread and I gave him a stone, I'd be like the worst person ever. If you, who are evil, if he asks you for fish, would you give him a snake? Jesus is saying, if you then who are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, then then me as your father in heaven, you are my children. How much more will I give good gifts to you, if you ask? Do we really still think that we can trust ourselves to know what is best, better than God who created us? We believe that God's best is the best. 
And so, if this morning we can be confident and we can trust that God's best is the best for your life, how can we know that it will come? Because if we say the best is yet to come, we understand that God's best is the best. How do we know it will come? Because here's the truth. Whatever you think might be best for your life, because you have limited power, because you have limited authority, because you can't control everything in your life, the things that you look for in life, you might be able to get it, right? You might be able to get that item. You might be able to get to do that thing. You might get that other person in your life. You might get to move and go somewhere else, but you don't control everything. But Job, he paints an incredible picture about God's power and authority. And I want you to close your eyes and picture what Job says here. Listen. It says that God, he stretches the northern sky over empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds. And the clouds, they don't burst with all of that weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He, God, created the horizon where God separated the waters. God set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at God's rebuke. By God's power, the sea grew calm. By God's skill, God crushed the great sea monster. God's spirit made the heavens beautiful. And by God's power, pierced the gliding snake. These are just the beginning of all that God does. Merely a whisper of God's power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of God's power. Would you stand? Would everyone stand with me? And so if we believe that God's best, God's finest, God's greatest, God's top, God's leading, God's preeminent, God's premier, God's first, supreme, God's highest quality, God's unrivaled, God's second to none, God's without equal, his unsurpassed, his peerless, God's matchless, unparalleled, God's unbeaten, unbeatable, optimal, ultimate, surpassing all, God's incomparable, God's ideal, God's perfect, God's highest, God's record-breaking, his top of the range, God's number one, his one in a million, God's cut above the rest, God's top drawer, God's most desirable, God's best will come for your life because God holds all the power, God holds all the authority, and God controls everything. It will come. So whatever circumstances, whatever hardships, whatever challenges you're facing right now, you must know, you must believe that the best, God's best, is yet to come. And so at the end of my message, I will read the words of Jesus himself when he speaks about the best is yet to come. Jesus said this, he said, therefore I tell you, 
Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body and what you will put on it. Is not your life more than food? Is not your body more than clothing? Look at those birds in the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than birds? Consider the flowers of the field. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider those flowers, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Yet, when I tell you, even King Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed like one of those flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will not God clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. So don't worry, don't be anxious saying, what am I going to eat or what am I going to drink or what am I going to wear or what am I going to do? What am I going to be? Who am I going to be with? What am I going to go? For the people who don't love God, seek after those things. But your heavenly father knows that you need them because he created you. And so Jesus says this, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his best. Seek first God's best. And Jesus says all, not some, not might. He says all of these things will be added to you. Would you close your eyes? How many of you, by the raising of your hand this morning, in a moment of honesty before God? Because this is the most important part of the morning. It's the response. It's more than just about hearing. It's about doing. It's about responding to the word of God. How many of you in response by the raising of your hand, there's nothing mystical, there's nothing magical about raising your hand or coming forward. It's just an outward demonstration, an outward vision of what's going on inside of you. How many of you by raising your hand this morning that you would say you have not been looking for God's best in your life and you've been looking for your own best? Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? That in searching for your own happiness and searching for your own best that you haven't been experiencing the best that is yet to come. Would you raise your hand? Dozens of hands in the room. This morning, God is calling to you. Oh, son of God. Oh, daughter of God. He loves you. He created you. He knows you. He wants his best for you. His heart is saddened when you go through hurt, when you go through destruction. But this morning, God wants to bring you back on his path for the best. That God wants to bring his best for you. He's asking you to make the decision to seek his best. And so this morning, this is what we're going to do. 
as a way to strengthen your faith. Again, there's nothing mystical or magical, but it is an outward demonstration among our family to say, hey, I'm going after God's best this morning. If you want to make a decision to go after God's best this morning, regardless of what it'll cost you, that you want to pursue God's best because you know it will come, I want you right now to come up to the front without hesitation Come up to the front. Step out from your chair. Get by the person next to you. If you want to pursue God's best for your life. When you get to the front, don't wait on me. Start pursuing. Start responding. Start praying. God in, God in heaven, he is celebrating his sons. He is celebrating his daughters right now who are responding to him. But you've got to tell them what's going on inside of your heart. So as you come forward, begin to pray, begin to speak to God. Those of you that are on the stage, you can respond to right where you are. This morning, we want to give our all to God. We want to trust him. We don't want to lean on our own understanding anymore. And as we pursue God's best, his best is yet to come. every son or daughter who is up here. God, as they are responding to you this morning, God, that they are coming forward, God, with an open heart, God, they realize that they have been pursuing their own best and not yours. And God, they are responding to you this morning, saying, God, they want your best, God. They want to position their lives for you to play the best music that would ever come out of their life, God. For you created them. 
you know them and so God I pray that this would not be a momentary response but God they would respond to you every day every decision that God when they've got to make a decision that they would look for your best God that they would look at their heart and say it's not based on what they feel but God it's based on who they know you are God I pray that they would surround themselves with other sons with other daughters of you that will help put them on the right path that they know they cannot do it alone but they need a brother they need a sister someone in the faith that can grab them by the hand and hold them and go on this journey with them and God I pray that your best for every single person in this room God we know it will come God how you will change the lives of so many people because of the people in this room this front runners ministry Lord that will be a blessing not only to this church not only to this city not only to this nation not only to this continent but God you are raising up people who will change lives in this room because of moments that are happening right now God that you have plans written for them you have days that you've dreamed over them to bring them such joy such fulfillment in life God that right now God their destinies are forever changing their futures are forever changing because of a choice they're making right now and the choice they will make tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and God I pray that God you would do more than they could ever dream of God more than they could ever dream of God that we know your best will come your best will come and so God would you do it would you do it God give them the courage every single day to make this decision it is more than right now it is tonight it is tomorrow it is tomorrow night every single day you make the decision to pursue God's best God give them the courage to stand when everyone around them is saying to fall Jesus we worship you Father, this day, we choose to believe that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, church. The best is yet to come. We believe it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. And amen. We may get back to our seats. Thank you so much. Amen. Let's give a hand clap to Pastor Joseph Banks. And a mighty shout of praise to Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm being reminded that next Sunday is Ladies' Sunday. 
Men, come prepared. Okay, let's be on our feet for the words of the grace. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. See you next Sunday. God bless you guys.